From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. With all the athletes coming to Juno for Ironman in August, the Juno Police Department will have an increased presence to provide traffic control. That was the word from Lieutenant Jeremy Weskey on Action Line. He said they want to make sure everyone is safe. You're going to have somewhere around uh, a thousand athletes here, uh, and with them come support teams. So you're going to have a real increase in in population. You're going to have a lot of increase in traffic, and then the the race itself provides some some issues for traffic because you have people running on the road, riding their bikes on the road. Uh, so we'll be there just to make sure everybody stays safe, make sure that the bikers, the athletes, the, the drivers on the road can all coexist together. Wesky said that residents in the area will be provided details soon from Ironman about the road closures and traffic delays. For residents here, you should be seeing pretty soon a mailer come out from the Ironman group that will give you a breakdown of uh, expected traffic delays. The bulk of the delays are going to be in the um, back loop area between University Drive, which is where the university housing is, and the roundabout in Ock Bay. And there'll be some other areas where you might experience a little delay, but that's going to be the, the bulk of it. That area will actually be shut down for the first portion of the race, so people will need to detour through Riverside Drive or detour on Mendenhall Loop Road. Wesky said it'll be like traffic control they did during celebration but on a bigger scale. Like with Celebration, they had uh, they had parades. So, you know, the police department's role in that is just to make sure that the streets that need to be shut down are shut down, that people can move freely and safely. Uh, and that's a similar thing that we're going to do with Iron Man, but on a bigger scale for Iron Man. And, and the same thing that we're going to do for the 4th of July parade, which is coming up, uh, well, on the 4th of July. <laughs> and uh, so it's a busy summer. We've got a, we've got a few big events. Iron Man is slated for August 7th. Things are coming together. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really good uh, event this year. Juno 4th of July parade organizers are looking at participation coming back to pre-pandemic levels this year. Parade committee member Michael Patterson spoke about the upcoming event on Capitol Chat with Dano. I think that sense of normalcy is making everybody a little bit more comfortable with doing it all together and actually coming out, being around the crowds and everything. Uh, last year was a little bit, uh, everybody was a little leery, so to speak. We had a good turnout uh, and everything, but I think uh, you're 100% correct. Uh, it's going to be uh, a little bit a little bit bigger, and we're, we're looking forward to that. Dr. Amy Dressel and Brian Weed are this year's Grand Marshals. Patterson says the pair were surprised they were chosen. Were they surprised when you told them? Uh, you know what? Uh, I think everybody's surprised when you tell them because nobody ever expects to be the Grand Marshal, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> They're not thinking about right, that, you know? That's what I mean. It's not like you're like, man, when I grow up, this, <laughs> this is what it's going to be. I'm shooting for it, man. They're, they're busy. They're leading their lives and doing uh, all the great things in the community that they do. But, yeah, absolutely. Surprised, excited. Um, and how could you not be? You get to ride in this sweet car <laughs> and during this awesome parade and <laughs> get to have everybody yell and wave at you and throw candy at you. There will also be a tribute to former parade director Gene Stuck, who served on the committee for 47 years. Stuck passed away in March of this year. It's a really, um, really humbling uh, to, to be a part of the committee doing this and realizing that the people that have come before you that are doing it and it makes you want to make sure you put that effort and put that time in and, and really respect, let's say, so respect the committee, man, because this is not something small and it's something that's uh, for the community and something that everybody's looking forward to, so you want to make sure to take care of it and, and uh, we couldn't find a better way to honor someone than doing that, you know. More information can be found at juno4thofjuly.net slash parade. Low interest rates, tight inventory, and rising home sale prices in 2020 and 2021 further tightened the Alaska housing market. 
That was taken up in the June edition of Alaska Economic Trends, prepared by the State Department of Labor. Economist Rob Krieger was a guest on Action Line. He said that 2021 was a continuation of the tight market that was seen in the second half of 2020. He explained the contributing factors. We had low inventory, you had really high demand, I think spurred by record low interest rates, all kind of creating this situation where you have very few homes for sale and lots of buyers competing for those homes. And as a result, you're getting things like bidding wars and lots of competition. That kind of dynamic sent sales prices up over 9% from um, from the prior year and pushed average sales prices up to about 389000 statewide. And that's just for a single-family home. Yes, we're talking specifically about single-family homes in this particular article. Krieger said that interest rates for last year averaged below 3%, a record low, and further said that rates started to come off those lows in the third and fourth quarters of last year. He said rates have been recently going up. In first quarter 2022, which is the earliest, where this is the most recent data we have available, we saw rates come up to 3.34. But the important thing to remember about rates is that um, they really started to, to come up in April. And even recently, nationally, um, have exceeded 6%. So um, a lot of what's happening now in recent months is not captured in our data, and we probably won't have a good sense of that um, until later in the summer because our survey um, won't have that information available until then. When asked about how the rates affect affordability, he said a key factor driving the activity is people taking advantage of the low interest rates since it makes the monthly payments more manageable, he said. Some people might say, well, it's not manageable, and it may not be for them, but when you consider how in, how a mortgage works, that interest rate right now is really critical in, I think, um, what's been happening lately. But we took a look in the article to see what various rate scenarios would have on affordability. And once you get to about 5.25%, which I think is a realistic possibility, um, it takes almost the monthly wages of one person plus half of another person to be able to afford the average priced home. Okay. So every, I guess, yeah, every increment at current prices and at current wages, every time you see rates come up, it's going to wane on affordability. The average home sale price in the state rose 8.9% last year, and the average home sale price for a single-family home was a record $388,648 last year. Former Governor Sarah Palin, Republican Nick Baggage, and Independent Al Gross have advanced to the August special election for the state's only U.S. House seat. They are among 48 candidates in last Saturday's special primary for the seat left vacant following the death in March of Republican Representative Don Young. The top four vote-getters in the special primary advanced to the special election set for August 16th, in which ranked-choice voting will be used. The winner of that race will serve the remainder of Young's term, which ends in January. State election officials counted ballots yesterday and also planned counts for tomorrow and Tuesday next week. Juno School District Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss has spoken with many of the parents whose children were involved in a mishap Tuesday where they were served floor sealant instead of milk. The incident took place during breakfast at Glacier Valley Elementary School's Summer Rally Site Program. Twelve students and two adults ingested the chemical. Weiss said she spoke directly to many of the parents on Tuesday night and said that although the investigation continues and questions remain about how this happened, 
What is clear is that the floor sealant should have never been stored with milk in the school. The sealant was delivered on the same pallet as milk pouches. So if you think about a dispenser that you might see in a restaurant or a cafeteria, um, it was uh, large pouches of milk um, and on the same pallet were boxes of pouches of sealant and that's where the mix-up occurred. And, uh, and so the sealant was put into the dispenser and then cups were filled from there. The sealant, Weiss added, had a special scent blocker that made its detection almost impossible to do. One of the requirements is that they aren't super stinky chemicals. And so there actually was, uh, the, this solvent was a, um, the sealant had a scent blocker on it. So it didn't smell, it was odorless. Um, that's why we ended up with two adults also taking a sip, thinking that it was bad milk when, they, when a student complained. Um, and they didn't even smell it. Um, so that would have alerted us right away, um, but because it was scentless, um, that, that caused us a bit of a you know, delay in recognizing that it wasn't milk. Nana Management Services contracts with the district for food services. During the June 14th Juno School Board meeting, Nana's contract was up for renewal. That agenda item was removed after a unanimous vote of the board. Weiss said it's too early to tell if this incident will have an impact on Nana's future retention by the district for food services. Weiss said that Juno Police Department was brought in to assist in the investigation, and on Tuesday, Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell confirmed the investigation, but added that although JPD is investigating, there is an information that would show that this is a criminal investigation at this time. Weiss says the investigation continues. We have a food inspector coming out to verify that all of our protocols are up to standard. Uh, and uh, again, we also are investigating. Uh, JPD is helping us with that investigation, not because we anticipate any you know, criminal intent or ill intent around this incident, but we did want someone, an outside entity, to be asking all the right questions. You know, they're trained in investigations, and so we wanted some support in making sure that we really were thorough in our discovery of how these items got put together on a pallet. Juno School Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss. Assembly member Michelle Hale spoke to funding for a new Juno City Hall while a guest on Action Line. The assembly earlier in the week approved $6.3 million in forward funding for either the new hall or necessary maintenance. $12 million in upgrades are needed for the existing hall, and the new building costs up to $41 million. If we include uh, underground parking, and the, I think the assembly is, is generally in favor of underground parking, um, if, if you're going to build a new building and you don't put underground parking, you lose that opportunity forever. You don't get to go back and do that. So I don't know if people have been to the new museum, but the, there is really great underground parking there at the new museum. So it would be similar to that. Uh, I think the underground parking cost is 3.3 million. So, um, if we didn't add that, then that would bring it down to about 38 million. Hale said she likes location, which will be where the former public safety building was near Centennial Hall. 
where it is is in the old public safety building, the old state public safety building in the state. Uh, we, the CBJ ended up getting that property from the state. Obviously, we used that as a warming shelter for a while. Now it's a parking lot. Uh, I think it's a great location. I, I think it really works well with that new museum there. Uh, depending on what happens with the uh, with the Jack or the um, Centennial Hall, I mean, it sort of creates a sort of a central city location. Hale was asked if there is a sense of urgency. I would say yes, there is a sense of urgency, and it's that $12 million price tag on City Hall, uh, on our existing City Hall. You know, in the presentation last week, we saw different City Halls, and I, I traveled, I was in Astoria, Oregon, um, earlier this year, and in Newport, and they have beautiful City Halls in these small, smallish towns, and we have a kind of a it's not a beautiful city hall. There's a beautiful mural on it, but it's not a beautiful city hall. It and serves its purpose. It serves its purpose, sort of, because people are spread out in a bunch of different buildings. And we have high rental costs because of those different buildings. Hale also noted the city has the bonding capacity for the project. The Juneau Assembly made appointments to the Bartlett Regional Hospital Board and the Airport Board during a special meeting Tuesday. The Assembly appointed Lisa Peterson to the Bartlett Board for an unexpired term beginning immediately and ending December 31st next year. The Assembly appointed Max Mertz to the Bartlett Board for the remainder of a term beginning immediately and ending December 31st, 2022, and a full term beginning January 1st. 2023 and ending in December 31st, 2025. The Assembly reappointed Christopher Pelso and appointed Teresa Yvette Sonterre to the Airport Board public seats for terms beginning July 1st of this year and ending June 30th in 2025. The Assembly reappointed Jody Garza to the Airport Board tenant seat for the term beginning July 1st this year and ending June 30th, 2025. With only one applicant, the Assembly moved to extend the application period for 30 days for the open seat on the Planning Commission. A current list of city board vacancies along with application forms are on their website at juno.org slash clerk slash boards hyphen committees. The city and borough of Sitka approved on first reading an ordinance that would ask voters to change Sitka general code by establishing a consumer's sales tax on marijuana and marijuana products in place of the existing consumer's sales tax. The ordinance passed 5-2 with Mayor Stephen Eisenbys and member Crystal Duncan voting no. The ordinance would also amend code related to the Student Activities Dedicated Travel Fund in that tax proceeds would be used for extracurricular student activities. Voters would be asked to approve the tax and travel funding at the regular election on October 4th in Sitka. Michelle Cleaver is with Weed Dudes. She addressed the assembly saying that tax will hurt marijuana business and said she did not want to see athletic travel as part of the tax scheme. Cleaver added that illegal sales of weed are hurting the industry. I would like to see also the city help us combat the black market. Those guys don't pay taxes and they don't test products and they don't play fair and it's going on really bad here in Sitka and we have no help because federal funds were withdrawn to fight and combat any kind of marijuana. But I would like to see our police bust and seize 
and fine and make money that way too with the black market. It would help us who are paying taxes and being fair. Sitka School Superintendent Frank Hauser supports the student activities aspect of the possible tax. Just want to take a moment uh, to just let everyone know, the assembly know, the district appreciates the intent behind the marijuana tax and utilizing the student activities fund to increase opportunities for students to participate in extracurricular activities in the Sitka School District. I have to say on a personal level, I would not be here today as a superintendent if it were not for uh, being a part of my high school swim team. I really do credit the high school swim team with um, really having a very uh, profound impact on my life and really helping me get through high school. That positive experience changed the course of my life, and I know firsthand the benefits those activities have for our students. Mike Daly of Northern Lights Indoor Gardens also asked the assembly to crack down on illegal marijuana sales. I really believe you guys are going to stick us with another tax and you're going to end up putting us out of business. And there's so much black market in this town and I think you guys just blow that off like, oh, here we go again. But I guarantee if there was guys making moonshine or something like that and selling it to kids, you guys would be all over that. But it's like you guys could care less about the black market and it's all over this town. If you fix that problem, you'd have twice the income that you have Thank now. you, sir. All made their remarks during the Sitka Assemblies meeting this week. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.